So I'm actually born and raised here uh, 29 years. Anybody born and raised in California? I think we paid the other day, what was it, $47 for Carl's Jr. That's not the California I grew up in. It's honestly a, a privilege. I don't know if I've been able to speak at many anniversaries. Uh, the only kind of service I've done that's been out of the norm was a upper room had me speak on, on Mother's Day. I don't know why. Um, I brought up Marcella real quick. I just did kind of an alley-oop to her, but I'm, I'm honored to be here. And uh, I think it's interesting when you are able to be a part of something over a decade. Um, I don't know if, how many of you guys have been here for 12 years? Anybody been here for 12 years? Okay. So you remember kind of the conception. You, you, you might remember the early days. I mean, when I look at One Voice, and we're now in 77 nations and 50 states. Um, pretty, pretty wild, but... Uh, if you know the Giglios, they remember when we were in like one school out here. If you, Alan and, and, and Lily, we were, I don't know if they're in here right now. We were in one school, and they remember kind of the conception of when everything was starting here uh, in L.A. And, and when you get past a decade, uh, there's, there's something that really takes place. You either, you're either going to kind of plateau, you're going to tank, or you're going to really excel. And I think what you've noticed here is God is expanding this house. And... But, but, but it's more than just like someone saying, hey, God's expanding the house. Amen. He, he legitimately is giving you a larger footprint. This is a church that is winning souls. I thank God for soul winning churches or I wouldn't be here. I think you're going to look another 12 years from now and realize all the evangelists and pastors that have come out of this house and this year is significant because it's historic. And why is that? Because you're here on the 12th year anniversary. Just like the ones that raise their hands and says, I remember 12 years ago what it was like to be with Pastor Phil and his wife. You're going to be able 10 years from now to say, I remember what it was like to be at that 12 year anniversary service. One day you'll probably say, do y'all remember when we gathered in this building? What was the first place you guys met in? What was it? A living room? Like, you guys one day will literally say, do y'all remember that, like, how tight we were in that building? Y'all think you expanded this way. Imagine when the Lord keeps increasing that. Amen. And I want to just re-hit on something that I actually watched on social media from your pastor here real quick. And 12 is divine government. He mentioned this. I'm just recapping his video. He had 12 tribes, 12 apostles, 12 gates in the New Jerusalem. And I wanted to read some words that were actually spoken over your house that he was able to send me because I think it's important that you understand how history works in the kingdom. I'm a spiritual son of Lou Engel. If you don't know who that is, he does this. And our voices sound a little bit similar. And Lou has always taught me this, that you preach your history because it catalyzes momentum into what God's going to do. If you've ever heard Lou Engle preach, if you heard him once, you've heard him every time. He tells almost the same stories every time, but every time you're in your seat leaning forward. And why he does that is there's this, this theology that he has, which is it's true. If you look at the Jewish culture, Jews don't see history like we do here in the West. We see history as linear. So when something happens, it's in the, the past. Jews don't view history the same. Jews view history as circular. 
This is why they would retell the stories of Exodus to the next generation, believing that the same breakthrough that took them out of the hands of these people, that God would do it again in the future generations. This is why you cannot stop telling young people the history of this church. Because young people that are coming in and getting saved now, they have no idea what it was like to be in a living room. Do you realize that 12 years from now, there's going to be a generation that has no idea what it was like to have a church in the pandemic in California? They're not going to understand the things in which you endured. It's important to know your history. It was October 2000. Craig, any of this is wrong? You, you texted to me, so I'm just reading it. But it was October 2011 with Sean Bowles. I'm just going to read bits and pieces here. He said, there's a new season of resource and provision. Call it forward. We sow greatly, and it's from faith, not hope. Position your spirit. Jesus wants us to see, wants us to see it. He is going to release titles to buildings. I saw the date, 2-12-12, February 12th. There was a boiling point, a tipping point. I'm going to just skip right here. You will shine with glory. There is an uncomfortable phase. It isn't warfare because it's God. Like three claps, thank you. Anytime you talk about persecution, you get one clap. And that's probably because they didn't even hear what I said. <laughs> you know, what you guys have endured over the years and the stance you've taken, you're probably not even going to see the fruit of that for another decade. Your willingness to keep the house of God open, your desire for discipleship. Do you guys, I mean, most of you probably already know this. You all know that, you, how many campuses are you guys in now? Do you guys know that this church is in two campuses? How many kids do you think roughly gather a week? Did you guys know that? That this church has Jesus clubs of around 350 kids averaging a week that are gathering in public schools in California? Do y'all remember your high school days? Some of y'all, I don't want to remember my high school days. Some of y'all are still repenting of your high school days pretty sure there wasn't moves of God like we're seeing today. It's unique. I want to go down to another word here that was given by a prophetic team from Bethel in 2014. The Lord says, this is what you said earlier, the Lord says that money will never be a problem for this church and for your family. Like money will never ever be something in which you will worry about. You know what's, what's wild about money? Can I just, just hit on this real quick? I'm not really, like, don't ever have me pick up your tithe message because ain't no one going to give. Your dropping will probably decrease. I'm, I'm just not a good asker for a tithe like that. But I do want to say this about finances because I do believe the Lord has blessed this house. Do you understand when you sow, it advances the gospel? I know I know you theoretically know that, but what, what happened when Jesus died and he resurrected? Do you remember what happened in the gospel when, 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 they, when, they, when they tried to pay off the people to tell them that his body was stolen? Do you remember that verse? The, the devil understood this. this I got I to talk for live stream, right? The, the devil understood this concept that money could fuel a lie in the Bible 
that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. This is what, the, this is what they were doing. They were saying, we're going to pay you to tell everybody that his body was stolen. Money has the ability to fuel lies as it does the ability to feel truth. I just want to remind you, this is a part of your inheritance, a part of your DNA. Another thing they said is, I saw this gift of healing being released in a powerful way. And I just know that there is going to be outbreaks of healing within the church. February 14th, 2016. Banning Leapshire, Jesus culture. He says, influence will be known as a house of worship. God is going to raise up a people from inside and from, the, and from outside of the church, and they will be young. Influence will be a lab for doing church in a new way. Jay Koopman, October 17th, 2021. This is a Navy SEAL church. It sounds like a Jay Koopman word. I love Jay. This is a Navy SEAL church. This church is a Gideon's army. And there is more power, prosperity, and influence in this room than the masses of Orange County. I feel like it's a finishing. Um, finishing, this move goes in and snipes the enemy with a final blow. Lou says, it's one thing to receive a prophetic word. It's another thing when a man or woman becomes the word they received. It's so easy to clap for prophetic words, but not have to pay a price for them. And I'm just sharing these things because there is so much that is embedded within your DNA as a church. The making of who you are, why you're here. Maybe for some of you, this was the first time you ever came to church or this was the first church you ever got saved into. For some of you, maybe you came from another church and you had a different experience prior. But for whatever it is, God's brought you to this house. And how many of you know there's no such thing as a perfect family? Really? If you think your family's perfect, you're in mad denial. Everyone has a crazy uncle. Some of you are that crazy uncle. How many know there's no such thing as a perfect church? If you find one, don't go to it. You'll mess it up, okay? Just... There's no such thing as a perfect family or perfect church. And I believe the climate that we're in as a nation, there needs to be, you need to almost make room for people to grow as a family of God with little offense. I can't tell you the stories over the years of offenses I've heard from people that got offended with the color of the carpet. They didn't like the color of the chairs the pastor chose. There are these petty things in which we're getting caught up in when there's a larger narrative. In the DNA of this house is healing, signs and wonders, intercession. You know why the devil fears this place? Because of these praying moms, praying grandmas. In the house of this DNA is evangelism. I'm just trying to like, Show y'all what I see. Because sometimes it's hard from within your own movement or within your own body to see what you're actually carrying. How many of you have ever gone on a diet before? How many of you have attempted a diet before? <laughs> How many notice that you don't really notice you're losing weight until someone else says it? Then you feel pretty good about yourself, right? You're like, man, have you lost weight? I, I, I have. All I want to do is come from the outside this morning 
and point out an obvious DNA that you're already carrying. And I don't believe that this house is meant to have prodigals or people that attend weekly but don't walk out in this DNA. I want to actually jump to the Bible, if that's okay. If it's not, then I don't know why you came this morning. It's been amazing being here in, in Southern California. I spent 10 years here in L.A. I'm originally from Northern California. Um, and it's been amazing to sit in traffic again. Um, and just to see the beauty of what's been produced over the last four years here. The hunger. You know, we did Gen Z for Jesus last year and seeing so many people come to Christ and so many people saved. And, and I really believe that this year, 2024, is going to be significant for salvations. There's something pretty big happening this year. And have you heard of it called the elections? These wild years pose the greatest opportunities for moves of God. I beseech you to not let political divide crush you. I heard this pastor, Pastor Sam Rodriguez, say it's not just about the agenda of the elephant or the donkey, but about the lamb. Don't lose sight of that. Obviously, I do believe there are better things in which we want to see happen in our nation, but I've just never seen salvation come from a political candidate. I just want to remind you of that. Trust me, I live in Texas. You all know what I, what I stand for. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I want to read you a passage in John 9. Before I do, I want to kind of paint a picture for you. Uh, whenever I've read the Bible, I, I don't just read it through. I actually imagine what it was, could have been like. I think a lot of times we get this stoic view of Scripture where we see Jesus almost kind of floating around in a white garment, you know, with his disciples with long beards. It was probably the furthest from that. Have you ever seen The Chosen? The Chosen is probably the closest I could imagine to like the humanity of these guys. You got to remember, these were, these were ordinary men, okay? You got to remember, the Gospels was really written to me like social media. All you really see is highlights, they don't really write about their mess. Other than John, he puts Peter's denial in there, which is messed up. <laughs> he never mentions his. He's like, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Right. Oh, he denied him <laughs> three. I mean, it was jacked up, right? Let's be honest. He totally put him on blast. But you look at the humanity of these men. what I want you to picture today. And in John 9, you have this moment where Jesus is with his disciples. And he's about to totally rewrite their theology in this moment. He's about to rewrite what they've thought about sin, but what they've thought about sickness. He's about to rewrite. Their, I believe in this church, the Lord has used this house to rewrite some of your theology. Some of the things in which you thought Maybe it's just normal that I'm sick. Maybe it's normal. No, no, no. There's actually a portion of healing that is your portion. You, 
You don't have to accept the fact that your marriages are failing or broken or your children don't follow God. There's a portion of salvation that belongs to you. You're promised. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me keep going here. So you have John 9. You have Jesus with his disciples and he encounters this guy that's blind, right? But he's not just blind. He was born blind. How many of you ever known someone that's been blind before? Okay, how many of you know people that were blind, but they went blind and they weren't born blind? There's a difference. There's a difference between someone that spends 10 years, 15 years of their life, they go blind versus someone that's born blind. Someone that goes blind could still have the understanding or concepts of a car or a tree or whatever, but someone that's born blind has no concept of that. They can't really comprehend when you talk about colors or objects unless they feel it. There's not something they can kind of go back to. Jesus encounters this guy in John 9 that is born blind. I want to just read you this here. It says here, as he passed by, John 9, verse, chapter, uh, 9, verse 1, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? The Bible doesn't say this guy is deaf. Can you imagine Jesus is with his disciples. There's a blind guy. Disciples are like, Jesus, psst, come here. Hey, who sinned? Because I'm probably sure they were like, hey, who sinned? All right, I mean, he's right there. Hey, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was, I can imagine the blind guy's like, I'm blind, not deaf, you idiot. I can hear you. Could imagine this blind man thinking to himself, here we go again, getting blamed for something I didn't do. Here we go again, another religious group who thinks that I did something to want something that I never even wanted. You know how many kids I've preached to over the years that I've met that were on drugs, in gangs? I've never met a kid that was hooked on something hooked on a, on a heavy drug or in a bad relationship that woke up one morning and says, man, I can't wait to be addicted today. Oh, I just can't wait to get my heart shattered today. I never met a kid that woke up and said, man, I, I can't wait for my parents' marriage to fail today and be in shambles. I've never met a kid like that. But the motions of life land people sometimes in places they didn't ask to be. All of a sudden, you find yourself or your children find themselves in places they didn't necessarily want to be. Some of you who might be married now might have grown up in homes where you found yourself in places you didn't want to be. This guy's blind. His disciples are saying, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born this way? I could imagine the thoughts that are running through this man's head as he's hearing this discussion with Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus answers something that they've never heard before. He said it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse four, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, for night is coming where no man could work. Well, I am in the world. I am the light of the world. Now, I want you to imagine this blind guy, right? For the first time in his life, he's hearing a different narrative. For the first time, probably ever, he's hearing a rabbi say, your condition is not your fault. 
I believe this is a mandate over this house to be able to go into the highways and the byways to find drug addicts and say, hey, I know you're addicted, but there is a greater work that's about to be displayed in your life. Nowhere do you ever see prior to this any other rabbi giving this diagnostics to his condition. You know how many people probably walk by? He must have did something. His parents must have did something. Hey, you're blind. Can't come to the meeting. You don't know what this man went through, but Jesus is here. He's with his disciples. And for the first time now, he's hearing a different narrative. All of a sudden, he's like, I'm the light of the world. And imagine this man's getting so excited, like, wow. This is the greatest news I've ever heard. And all of a sudden, the next thing that comes out of Jesus' mouth, it's going to be a little bit graphic. Because this is what it says in verse 6. When he said this, he spit on the ground. And made clay. Do you know that there is a difference between a man and a woman spitting? Women spit like (laughs) politely. Men, how many y'all know when no one's around? How many women know that morning toothbrush of your husband? He thinks the door's closed. Guys, demonstrate for you for a moment. Imagine this blind man. It's not his fault. It's not his parents' fault. He's like, that's amazing. I am the light of the world. And all of a sudden he hears. (laughs) Bible says he made clay. Do you think that it was a... (laughs) Can you imagine this blind man? Hey! What's going on out there? His disciple, oh, he does it all the time. You're you're good. (laughs) And then... That's disgusting. He takes it. Imagine that being the altar call, you know. And he wipes it in his eyes. That would be all over social media today, you know. But he spits on the ground. And he wipes it in the man's eyes. And you see that as the man goes and washes, he's healed. I always thought to myself, why couldn't you just say, be healed? So much easier. Why couldn't you just wave your hand? Just blow on them, you know, something. But it's interesting in John 9, I don't believe that Jesus did things just because. In John 9, there is something I want you to capture. In John 9, Jesus takes something that is worthless something that everyone walks on, something that you don't want on your shoes, on your clothes, on your cars. He takes something called dirt. 
and he spits in it. Now I'm a huge Forensic Files fan. We watch Forensic Files. One person, and I think he's over 50. <laughs> I'm with you. I love Forensic Files. Solving crimes and all. The, you know, there's a couple ways that they gather DNA, if you don't know that. It's with your blood and with your In John 9, Jesus understood that his DNA was the DNA of his father. And if he would stick that DNA in something that was worthless, blind eyes could open. If I could say something that is humbling in this room for a moment, you might feel like you're real special or God has needed you. When I look over my life, I realize that I was just like that dirt. And God decided to stick his DNA into my life. Like, like, do you think that all the miracles you've seen is because you're good people? Or because you tithe enough? Or because you tithe enough? Do you think that, that all the things you've seen, people, sicknesses healed and miraculous miracles? No, it's because there was a DNA that was placed in the house. I remember when I was 18 years old and I felt a call of God on my life. I remember when God said, I want you to go to campuses and I'm going to save high schools through your life in America. And I thought to myself, you have the wrong guy. I can't even clean my room. <laughs> I remember when I went home after my first large meeting we ever did. I was in Northern California. We had, we had 600 kids in a Bible club. And one, one school I was in. I remember leaving that place like, who am I? You know? I went home to my mom. I said, mom, I'm not cleaning my room anymore. I'm a man of God. She's like, go clean your room. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> there was an understanding early on that I had that this was my life first, that I would be this dirt, but with his DNA, I would see miracles. A simple yes. And I wanted to do something this morning. I am all about declarations and activations. And here's why. A declaration it's not something that you're telling God because he forgot. A declaration is something that you're telling out loud to God because sometimes you forget. It's easy to get into the mundane of just coming once a week, right? How many got people in your life that you're believing will get saved this year? Put your hand up for me. How many got kids that don't know Christ that this, you want this year to be the year? You know, my mom got saved five years ago. It's actually weird now because she's like texting me verses. She just got done reading Cindy Jacobs' book on like deliverance. She's throwing away all my stepdad's stuff. She's like, this is demonic. This is demonic. <laughs> he has no idea what's happening. I remember the days that I prayed for my mom, that I cried out for my mom, the days that I wept for my mom. I, she texted me the other day. I don't know if I could find it. She texted me the other day and she said, son, I just want you to know something. And I said, what, mom? She goes, I want you to know that I'm saved because of you. Now, obviously the Lord, and, and she's not saying I saved her. She goes, but I know that you prayed me in. 
My mom was 15 when she got pregnant with this beautiful thing right here. I was born in Anaheim, California. My parents ran away because they were scared. And I've watched God take my little broken yes that is so flawed and not perfect. And it's done miraculous things. I've seen him open up blind eyes of my mom to now see. And I want to believe that on this 12th year, you would see the most wildest things come to pass. I want to believe that there's going to be so many young people getting saved across the street. These guys are gathering now. I want to believe that Jesus clubs are going to keep spreading all throughout Orange County. I want to believe there's going to be an influx of kids that are battling their identity and their gender. Come to know Christ. Will you stand with me? Would you just lift your hands? I want to pray for you. Jesus, I bless this house. Lord, I bless their yes to you this morning. I thank you that there is a DNA of God in this place that from his conception, Lord, 12 years ago, Lord, you have done miraculous miracles. I pray this year, God, there would be a double harvest. Lord, I pray there would be a double opening of blind eyes in this generation that they would see, yes, physically, but also, Lord, open the eyes of their heart, Lord. We pray there would be massive salvation, even crusades, Lord, in fields. I see fields of young people getting saved. We bless this house in Jesus' name. Amen.